On this week's podcast, we have a successful entrepreneur from the telecommunications software industry, Stephen Van Zanen of Broad Forward in the Netherlands. Broad Forward is a successful telecom signaling company founded by Stephen and his colleagues after their experiences of working for many years with the large SMSC company, CMG. Stephen talks about his experience when he managed innovation at CMG and the challenges you face bringing innovative products to market, particularly when you are too early. After starting Broad Forward, Stephen and his colleagues had a vision for a framework solution that while technically innovative, initially presented a marketing problem. The marketing problem that arose in those early days led them to rethink their positioning and customer messaging, and it became a, quote, blessing in disguise, which led to subsequent success. Stephen's story shows how technically innovative approaches can face initial market resistance, but if you are tenacious, if you listen, and if you are smart, you can turn these insights to your advantage. As always, as our guest, Stephen nominates a piece of music to play out on, and if you're an old school rocker, I think you're going to like this. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer Digital Onboarding, netzer.com. We provide digital onboarding and customer digital channel management solutions to a wide range of verticals, including mobile operators, MVNOs, eSIM providers, financial institutions, and charities. Please contact us at netzer.com or email hack.flynn at netzer.com and we'd be glad to understand your business requirements. Welcome to the podcast. This week we have a very interesting guest, Stephen Van Zanen. Stephen is co-founder and in charge of product management and marketing for Broad Forward. But there's a lot more to Stephen than this, and I happen to know because uh, in, a, in a previous life, I used to compete with Stephen, and we were in separate companies, and he was one tough guy to work, uh, to try and win customers against. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for Stephen. I've also an awful lot of respect for what himself and the team have done with Broad Forward. So Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. No, not at all. Um, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, so, yeah, Stephen, um, you know, obviously, you might talk a little bit about your background so people understand where you came from. But you're a deep technology guy, deep telecoms guy, and you were leader of a, one of the uh, product line for one of the most successful SMSC companies in the world back in the uh, 90s and 90s. That was a CMG, which became Logica CMG. And you had a very successful career in a big company. Would you know, maybe just tell us a little bit more about that? Well, um, I mean, uh, you know, it, it all seems so far away <laughs> right <laughs> now. But uh, in the 90s and the, and the early noughts, uh, you know, the, the, the data business in, in telecommunications was determined by this phenomenon called SMS. And uh, for you, for me, that's all, you know, obvious, right? For the younger generation, that's, you know, what SMS sounds ancient. But in those days, it was, uh, it was for the first time there was a global penetration of communication beyond voice. And there were two main companies that were driving that phenomenon. And one was, of course, Dublin-based. Uh, yep. was, was later, became, later became Logica, right? Acquired by the system integrator in the UK. Mm-hmm. And there was CMG in the Netherlands. And uh, we were 
you know, fighting for world domination in, in, in what was the very first mobile data revolution. Um, and, the, and, and, you know, there's, it's hard to explain because, you know, we've got young guys traveling the world, right? And initially first class, you know, business class travel around the world. You know, you were selling machines to carriers that would make, you know, that would pay a couple of million to, to acquire big, big uh, SMSCs, which is the underlying machine to provide those mes text messaging. And, uh, but they would earn that back in a matter of months. Hmm. And so, you know, the sky was the limit. It was, it was just a phenomenal time and we were competing head on, you know, the, 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 the Alderscon, Logic Alderscon team with the CMG team, we'd come across each other at uh, Mobile World Congress in Cannes in those days, where the Irish team would have a, a pub, I remember very well. And that's, we that's Irish marketing, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, it's the best marketing, I'll tell you. And and you know, and we'd walk in there, and 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 we get a pint, and and you know, this it's really hard to comprehend how those early days where telco was still in growth, right? And margins were huge. SMS was a massive success story. Uh, you know, uh, share price were going through the roof. Mm -hmm. It all stopped. You know, almost like a like a, a dead end street. Uh, I say probably around two thousand three where, you know, we, we uh, you know, the, the carriers started spending less and less. And, and so companies like uh, Aldascon, Logica, uh, CMG um, had to think about other ways of making money. So we started expanding portfolio. That's how I, from a product manager in the SMC, got into innovation mm -hmm. within the company. The company by then was acquired by Logica. So the two big competitors uh, were working together. Um, so I had to fly up to, to Dublin, I think. Somebody told me I was actually the first CMG competitor <laughs> flying into Dublin. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you one thing, it, it's, they took me out in town. And that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think the Dutch guys were, were too shy or... No, 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 we're not. We're not. ...hold themselves well uh, in, in those days. Though you make a very good point, though. Is the... Um, a lesson I learned is that the product life cycles in technology are so defined. And you can be in a technology area that it seems to be going amazing, but it can die so quickly. And this is sort of, I think, the biggest difficulty for technology companies. Yeah. But you, you might have some views on that, Stephen. You, you, were, you were trying to manage that with cmg yeah? or, or yes with... yes i mean being uh, being the head of innovation at uh, at uh, what later became decision came out of logic cmg it became a private company the issue i had was timing i mean it has to do with what you just said right timing is the biggest challenge so at the time we created what could easily be called one of the first uh, big data solutions where we used the, the information that came out of signaling and, 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 and you know, around text messaging and, and other network information to create uh, a way of finding out the propensity of subscribers to go to one or the other service. And it looked fantastic. The, the, other, the, the biggest problem was the market wasn't ready for it at all. You know, a carrier in those days were selling SIM cards and whatever service came with the network. So this whole notion that they'd become marketeers with our fantastic solution, uh, it was far out. And so it wasn't the technology that was wrong, it was just the timing. And the same is true for, for some of the other services that we try to do, like uh, mobile marketing. So we tried to create mobile marketing capabilities that could work in the network, where the carrier would sit very close into all the, the network information, so it'd be the ideal 
channel for the mobile marketing and make, you know, uh, a certain percentage of that delivery for ads content. Uh, the biggest issue in those days that we heard from was the likes of, of Coca-Cola saying, look, we're trying to communicate with a billion potential customers. But as soon as we send out a message, it gets lost between us and the, and the customer because that carrier domain was not transparent at all. So they're asking for, you know, those kind of big enterprises were asking for channels to their customers and the carriers were just not willing to do that. They were not willing to open up channels like, like we see now with 5G, where you're going to have complete network slicing, where there's dedicated channels for dedicated services. That, that was unheard of in those days. So our mobile marketing initiative failed, again, for two reasons. One is that we're not willing to set up those, those, those dedicated channels, quality service channels, and B, um, and even if they, could, they would, they probably wouldn't know how to do it, and, and B in those days. And, and, and B, they were just not marketing companies, like with our data product you know steve i think you, you nailed it there um there's a lesson i had was that the mobile operators and possibly in other market segments banks or, or big automotive companies find it very hard to change and where you you know, might be a vision where they might go but their ability to execute is just uh, not there i mean i have to really admire your 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 um foresight there with that big data, you know, propensity to take on new services or to enable marketing. That, that's very, that's 10, 15 years ahead of where the, the market Oh, is. yeah, yeah. But that's the problem. I mean, if you want to run a commercial company, you've got investors in those days in decision asking, you know, where, when's the money coming in, right? I mean, that was hard to predict. And so we did have customers who, who got it, but that's not a market. That's just an interested partner. And so creating a market is the biggest issue. And, uh, you know, and, and with Broad Forward, you know, that came out of that era, which is the understanding that the underlying network flexibility is required to do anything beyond the box. Uh, in particular in signaling where the different elements within the core network need to work with each other. Okay, maybe just set it up for, for people who are listening. Is So after a number of years, uh, running innovation in Excision as it was then, which was still a huge company. Oh, you, yeah. Half a billion dollar, I think it was at uh, one point. It's a very successful company. Um, you decided to, to, pay, to take the big step, yourself and a few guys. Yes. Yeah, so together with, uh, with uh, some colleagues, we, we decided that um, convergence was an unavoidable uh, aspect of the development in, 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 in networks and that we wanted to do something in that space. But uh, initially we, 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 we tried to push that through in our existing uh, company, but there, there simply wasn't any interest uh, because it was too far away from, from their, their understanding of the market. So, so we started up brought forward. We left the company. We started up brought forward. We, you know, uh, we hired a, a whole bunch of uh, ex colleagues that we knew, great guys that had worked for the large, you know, for soft solutions for the largest companies in the world, understood the telco challenges of scalability and, you know, all of that stuff. And we created uh, a, a, a converged signaling framework called BFX, BF standing for broad forward and EX for any to any, right? So BFX is our underlying software framework because we were absolutely convinced that as we move along from, uh, from all the way from 1G to 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, whatever comes next, uh, will require uh, all sorts of coexistence for a long, long, 
uh, time. And that includes, by the way, fixed. So what we did is we spent about two years just to create that framework. Just say for some listeners who might be familiar with the the telecom networks, is the signaling is the heart of the network and pretty well everything happens around signaling. It's also extremely complex from a technical point of view. Um, It's almost, the the equivalent in the internet is actually the IP protocol. um, Yeah. which has numerous layers and it's there's a parallel universe in telco and uh this is what you're talking about this is what brought forward has great expertise in well yeah you you're absolutely right to 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 because because you know it's a it's a niche market like you say there's just very few experts my guess is there's probably around 900 carriers and there's maybe on average if you count all the smaller uh, mnos and mvnos maybe on average 10 15 people uh, that understand signaling, a uh, deep understanding of signaling uh, uh, around the world. So that's a very limited market. I right? entirely agree from my own experience. It's, uh, and this is, these people are sort of scarce resource and you guys have, have a number of these people are, uh, and you, you're able to produce products out of your platform. So maybe just explain how that worked, Stephen. You know, you start with a, with a framework. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so what are, Assumption was, and, and this, this assumption came out, out of my experience when we were rolling our Broadband Solutions in Decision, where even in standards-based signaling environments in 4G, you know, all, all standardized, we, we had massive problems integrating with all the big guys like the Ericsson's and the Nokia's and, the, you know, a, a little field within a signaling message could be somewhere and things were starting to fall over and we had to throw professional services guys at it. And in some cases, they were there for a month. So, so we were burning through our margins very quickly. And each time we were, we were running into the same problem with another carrier, with another vendor. And so that's where Broad Forward came from. Uh, we realized that, that's, that that problem needed to be productized. Something that would work out of the box that could help overcome the, the signaling issues that you come across as you move into a next generation. But also uh, simply because, you know, just for the audience, if a, a function within the mobile core network could be a policy system or a router or whatever, if the vendor adds some new features that require a new signaling uh, command, that message already is a problem because the rest of the, the network doesn't know about it, right? So it has to un- be understood and has to be what's called interworked with the other functions potentially. And, you know, until then, the carriers would say to the, the big vendors, you know, it's your problem, right? But of course, as you get more and more vendors, the vendors will point at each other and say, it's not my problem. So what you get is a massively inflexible network. Uh, and each time you have something that needs to be fixed or adapted, which by the way, nine out of 10 times isn't the fault of the carrier. Mm-hmm. It's the fault of the vendor, right? I mean, they've, they've changed something. And they, they were paying 50, 60, even $100,000 just to get a very simple thing fixed. And of course, nobody wants to to pay that kind of money for small changes that doesn't really bring new exciting services. So our, our framework was built on the assumption that there would be multiple signaling languages like C7, SS7, diameter, uh, but even things like radius and all sorts of flavors of those. And so we build a framework that can deal with all of those messages, provides the carriers access to all of the signaling content that we support. So that goes all across all of those type of protocols. Even IT protocols like uh, uh, LDAP and, and uh, HTTP. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we provide 
the carrier the opportunity to use our framework to access those services, um, make sure that they mapped. Even when they're non-compatible, you can easily map them onto the, onto the platform, extract the information that you require, and then do whatever you please with it. So it puts the control back onto the carrier completely. The issue we had initially was that uh, such a platform doesn't exist in the network. So there's no budget, there's no owner, and even more of a problem is it works across the different departments. So who's going to own it, right? So that was our, our big mistake when we started. We had this great technology, just no market to buy it off us, <laughs> right? Uh, so <laughs> That's probably a story in every technology startup, Stephen, you know that? <laughs> well, you know, we assumed that a great solution would find its way, but that's not how it works, and particularly not on top. You said earlier that there I, is I've made a, that mistake, Stephen. I know what you're talking about. You know, I mean, the, the, the problem is Telco drives on uh, floats, I would say, on standardization. You know, a core network for your audience you know, consists of standardized functions. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you knock on somebody's door and say, I have a function that doesn't exist on your chart, would you like to spend some money on it? The answer is invariably no. You know, I don't want to spend money. On it. So what happened is a blessing in disguise is that, uh, that uh, Oracle started acquiring our partners like Acme Packet and uh, Techelec, of course, the, 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 the American uh, signaling transfer point leader in those days. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and that, that forced us to rethink our positioning. And so we started building Converse application on our BFX framework. And it allowed us to build a pretty powerful converged version of all the standalone stuff that was out there. So we could build a function that wasn't just a router for, let's say, 4G, but could do 2G, 3G, 4G, and now we can even extend that to, to 5G. So it's, you know, and in the early days, we're talking about 10 years ago, that wasn't a big issue, but today going to 5G where convergence is the name of the game, it's, you know, you're gonna have a single core that's gonna manage mobile, Wi-Fi and fixed uh, using HTTP, which is a completely flat architecture. But out there is 2G, 3G, 4G elements that still need to be interworked and working with that 5G network for years to come. Mm -hmm. And we could do that from a single software framework, from a single license, from a single integration potentially. Now, we already have customers using, using our software for all sorts of uh, uh, categories. I mean, we, we, you know, they use our software for routing. Uh, they use our software for interworking, you know, between the different uh, uh, variants and the different types of uh, signaling protocols out there. They use our product for security mm -hmm. and they use our product for uh, number portability type of elements. So, and, on, and on top of that, yeah, sorry. sorry so, so you're able to produce a, a huge range of functional products out of the, the framework that you initially started with. Yes. Um, this, I looked at your website before we talked and I was impressed, really impressed with the range of products that you're able to provide to customers. Can, can, can I just ask, what's your view on 5G? Is 5G the holy grail that's going to save the world from all sorts of things? Where do you see 5G going and what's, what's the good and the bad of it, you might say? Well, 5G is the unavoidable, uh, let's say, result of 4G, <laughs> and the reason is that 4G is the first time, I think, where the technology across the world was the, the, was the same underlying technology. So the step to 5G could finally happen. Don't forget, in the, in the early days of our SMS history together, 
you had TDMA, CDMA, GSM. You had, I mean, I was on conferences where even uh, pagers were still being pushed as an alternative to SMS. <laughs> right, I mean that's that's how old we are, right? That sounds ridiculous yeah, yeah. now, but in Just, those days that wasn't. Skip over this part, Stephen. Okay, that, <laughs> that was a that, it wasn't a done deal those days, right? So, so five G uh, is the accumulation uh, of all the lessons learned, where you know the the isolated uh, position of a mobile network today is 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 is, is being. Well, I would almost say corrected by using a new protocol called HTTP, which everybody knows when you just log onto your, your browser, mm-hmm. you know, a big shock for most of the technologists in telco was, Oh my God, we're, we're actually going to become the internet, right? <laughs> which all with all its dangers. Right. So, so in that aspect alone, uh, what it does, it, it, it allows 5g allows for the first time mobile uh, to be seamlessly part of communications overall. So I think that's a very important aspect. There's also a lot of drawbacks, like I said, like security and lead. I mean, our technology team uh, will tell you, can tell you that there's a lot of issues around that, that we were not used to in telco, right? That we, we could shield telco, a particular mobile for, uh, for decades. But, you know, that's going to be more difficult. Having said that, there's also a realization in 5G that, uh, that security is a major, major topic mm-hmm. right so encryption is being built into it um but moreover i think the most important thing is is that uh, the 5g makes a point that mobilization so the fact that everything is becoming mobile you know t- take a look at iot and those things needs to be managed centrally sorry david i guess you might say that in some respects um the use of internet protocols in telecom networks is also a learning um what what would be considered to be a, a managed problem in the internet is now the telco architects have to understand the same issues. Yes, yes, very that's, much so. That's where you guys come in, I think. The, uh, exactly, and 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 so where we ten years ago built a converged framework that is that assumed uh, the requirement and the need for coexistence in the network, you know, which the carriers have been avoiding uh, as much as they could, or at least they try to make it a problem of the vendors. Now we've got 5G coming up that forces them to converge into a single core network that manages mobile fixed and Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And at the same time as they're doing this, which is a, a, you know, a massive change to what, what they're used to, um, they've got to manage their, uh, their total cost of ownership with all the other technologies they have. And what about the return on investment? I mean, there's still networks being rolled out in 4G uh, let alone, you know, rolling out a completely new 5G network and a completely new 5G core that can manage all those networks. So suddenly our software finds itself in the heart of that problem. And and we bridge not only the technologies between 2G, 3G, 4G and 5G, but we make it uh, uh, fairly easy to take existing expensive systems out there ranging from diameter routers to signaling transfer points. These are all routers in old 2G, 3G, 4G technology. And we can combine them as we move on to 5G. So, you know, we're talking about really serious cost savings. And uh, and on top of that, you've got challenges in the, uh, you know, in, in the securities around uh, high-risk vendors, uh, which is a, a Trump-instigated, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we, won't, which, uh, we won't get into the politics of it. No, but, I know, but 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 still, <laughs> it, these are these are 
I mean, all of those are really drivers for, for yeah. you know, the growth of the company at the moment. Okay, well, look, Steve, it's been really interesting to hear that you, you've surmised uh, the, your career, your companies, and the state of the industry over the last 20, 25 years, and it's been really interesting, and I really appreciate you giving us the time, and, and I think the listeners will really will feel from your conversation, your, your passion, and your depth of understanding of this industry. You're one of the stalwarts of this industry, in my eyes, but anyway... Um, at this stage in the podcast, we'd like to ask the guest to maybe nominate a piece of music to play out on. I've no idea what you're going to say, so perhaps um, <laughs> actually, that's a, that's very interesting. You know, I don't think anybody's ever asked me this before, but um, it for me it has to be uh, an old uh, rock era of mine, which is a guy called Frankie Miller. Not, well, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but uh, he unfortunately uh, he's a he's a Scottish singer, um, and I bought the album off him in the '70s in London. <laughs> and I still I still play it often. And, and one of my favorite songs is, is called This Love of Mine. And I certainly recommend uh, the listeners to, to, to listen to Frankie Miller's Full House album. It's one of my favorites. Okay, that's, that's brilliant. Uh, Stephen, thanks very much. I appreciate you become, uh, coming on as a guest. No, thanks. It was really nice talking to you again, uh, Pat. <laughs>